Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Plates, Empowered Lives podcast. This episode is a journey of strength. All right. So we got Miss C here, Endometrius Warrior, coming to share her story. And I'm so excited and so grateful and so honored that she's coming to share her journey of strength with God. Before we get into this episode, you already know what time it is. Vibe with me, y'all. Welcome to the Empowered Plates, Empowered Lives podcast. Get in, Missy. Let's see over there digging. How you feeling today? How are you doing? How are you doing? Man, I feel good. I feel good. Me as well. Me as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I got, you know, rocking the yellow today. Rocking the yellow today. I got my Black Lives Matter. Because <laughs> they do. Because they yes. do. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, man, thank you for coming on to the Empire Place and Empire Lives podcast. I'm going to dive straight into it with you. What has been the scariest health situation or circumstance that you've ever experienced? That you've ever experienced thus far in life the scariest health scare the scariest health scare that i've ever had was a brain aneurysm i'm going to be completely honest hmm. um, what did that even look like that sounds scary well um i had a, a subnord hemorrhage stroke um i was advised that stress brought it on so me putting a lot of pressure on my my brain uh me worrying a lot me trying to tackle everything being very independent a single mom working all of that could take a toll on you and then on top of it you start trying to add things to that right so um that was my scariest health scare for me okay how long were you in the hospital what did that look like for you um being i was in the hospital I was in the hospital for three months, but I actually knew something was wrong with me before it happened to me. Okay, but, tell us about that. What? How did you know something was wrong okay. before it happened? Because a lot of times we don't listen to our bodies. A lot of times we ignore right. things, we take things as minor, and they ended up being major. And aneurysms—that's not something to play with. Like I, I know someone who. Um, whose mom ended up having that aneurysm and she was gone just like that. So like, it, it is nothing. Like, I'm grateful you're still here and able to tell that story. So tell right. us, how, how did you know something was really wrong? So um, I was the typical mom. I worked the nine to five. I actually worked as a, a foreclosure representative. So my job was very, very, very demanding and stressful for me as well. Right. Um, I worked for a major, major uh, lending company. And at that time, I worked behind the computer a lot. So I did stare and, uh, you know, have to be behind that light all the time. Um, one particular month, I just had a headache that would not let up. It started out very, very, very minor where I could take some Tylenol. I feel better, you know, for, for a couple of hours and then it would come back. I ignored that headache though. I, I would ignore that one, but it went on for a whole month. So I eventually decided to go to the hospital. When I went to the hospital, that was, that's one of, and, and that's another thing, the fear of the unknown. The hospital did not know what was wrong with me. They will be telling me, you know, uh, I needed to see a psychiatrist. 
they actually referred me to a psychiatrist. They said that I was seeming like I had a condition where um, I was making up uh, an illness wrong with me because I went to the hospital several times for the same thing. So I actually just stopped worrying about it. I had a traumatic situation that happened to me. And when it happened to me, it kind of took me back a little bit. You know, it messed with my spirit a lot with the situation that happened to me. So um, it brought on more stress on me. I became like angry and I, I really knew that I needed some help at that point. Like I started believing what the doctors were saying like that. I'm, I'm making up an illness. I'm going crazy. Like I really thought that I had a, a mental disability. Like I thought something was wrong with me. I went and saw a psychiatrist. All the psychiatrist did was gave me a month off of work. So I accepted the month off of work um, because she was like, you know, you just stress, you severely stress, you know, you need to relax. You need to find some time, start self-caring. Um, and I need everybody to remember that because I'm going to say that a lot throughout, you know, my journey and my story. She told me to start self-caring more. That was very hard for me to do because I had five children. Like, what is self-care with five kids? You know, how do you have time for that? Right. So um, I took the month off of work. I think it was like a, I had like the next day, literally, I had to go back to work. I had just got out from behind the wheel of my car and uh, driving me and my two-year-old daughter at the time. My older children was with their fathers. So um, I had just got out from behind the wheel of the car. Me and uh, baby girl get into the house and that headache came back, but that headache came back like with the vengeance against me, you know, because like, need I remind you through my self-care month. Okay. I had headaches in between it, but they wasn't like a consistent headaches, I guess. Cause I, again, I had lit up off some of that stress off of me. I didn't have to focus on work. So some of it was kind of letting up the headache had lit up. The second I had to go back to work, it was like, me and my baby got in the house. The headache came back with a vengeance. I felt like I didn't feel good. So I said to myself, the very first thing I said to myself is I'm going to lay down and I'm just going to try to sleep it off. You know, my baby girl wouldn't leave me alone. Mm -hmm. uh, she just kept tugging and pulling at me. And, and need I remind y'all, she too. So she up. She really need my attention, you know, but my body is 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 shutting down and i'm right. not knowing this that's why i'm feeling tired that's why i'm feeling drained and that's another key factor if your body is consistently feeling tired there is an issue there's a problem and you need to probably go and get seen get yourself checked up or just take a minute step back and kind of self-evaluate because you know my body was shutting down so um I got up and I went and tried to pull my daughter some juice. But I noticed that when I was trying to pull my daughter some juice, my hand kept shaking. Like I couldn't properly hold the cup. Um, I couldn't um, properly um, hold the juice jug. Like it was, I was shaking. And I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? So I put all that down and I tried to get a bottle of water to get me something to drink to see if that will, you know, kind of calm me down. I feel like maybe my anxiety went up, you know, re remember I'm, I'm thinking I'm crazy. So I'm, my anxiety's going up now. I'm having one of them crazy attacks, right? 
I said, based on what the doctor was telling you when you were going in there. With yeah, your, based on the doctor, what the doctors are telling me, I'm thinking I'm having an anxiety attack. You know, I'm going crazy. So I try to drink some water. The second I drunk that water and tried to swallow it, I regurgitated it right back up. As soon as I regurgitated, I kept regurgitating and could not stop. Non-stop. It did me like that for about maybe five minutes, to be honest. Then I felt my whole left side, like, go numb. I could not move that side at all. Like, my, my mouth, nothing. I tried to call 911, and I couldn't. So when my left side went numb, I fell. So the only, I fell to the floor. So the only hand that I had available was this one, which I was trying to brace myself with it because I, I, I had just fell, and I just didn't know exactly what to do. So, um... When I finally tried to contain myself and I knew that I had to calm down. Um, and, and that's another thing I can give a, a good tip on. If you are in a traumatic situation, don't panic. Uh, don't panic. It, it makes whatever is going on with you happen faster. So I knew not to panic because I had my baby there and I didn't want to scare her. So what I did was I um, crawled to my front door. And I just went to the front door and just screamed help. And I just fell. From there, I saw like a neighbor come by and they was like, you okay? It was a male neighbor of mine. And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I, I just call an ambulance, go give me some help. Of course, he didn't just not that not dial 911. He went and got his sister who I knew. And uh, uh, and another friend of mine who came over to my house. And when they came in, they like, you OK, what's wrong? And I was like, my words were slurred, so I couldn't really communicate like I was supposed to. But again, I was not panicking. I, so um, I was calm. Um, I told them they needed to call 911. I particularly knew the signs of fast. Which um, which it says your face start dropping. I know your words are slurred. I'm not putting them in order, and I apologize, everybody. But um, you can definitely Google. Yeah, but you can definitely Google the word fast, and if you want to incorporate stroke with it, it's going to give you the full acronym uh completely out. But neither here nor there. I knew the the signs of fast, and I knew I was having a stroke. So I asked them to call the ambulance and I told them I'm having a stroke. Y'all need to call the ambulance and get them here fast. Um, I gave them my mom's address. Um, at this time, my mom was living. So I gave them my mom's address and I gave them my purse. I gave them my daughter. I gave them the keys to my house and I gave them my car. And I said, take my baby, my car, my purse, just take it all to my mom. I'm not going to lie. I was having a headache that made my, my head feel like it was on fire. It, it was the most excruciating pain that I ever felt. It was worse than a toothache, worse than having a baby. Blood being misplaced on your brain is a very horrible, horrible feeling for the body. Um, so I was... Um, and just so I was everybody able to get knows, face, arm, speech, and time. Those correct face, arm, speech, and time. I just want to get it out there and don't yeah, your face drop, your face thing. drop, your arms droop, your speech slur. It's time to call for help. That there was that right. That's that's exactly it. Thank you. Um, now you fine, you fine. Uh, thank you. But um, 
it, it just, you know, once I got to the hospital, um, I was out. I was out for like maybe three days. I, I actually woke back up in the hospital not knowing what happened. I didn't know what happened to me because, again, I knew the signs, but I didn't. I, I've been out. So I woke up like, where am I? The most beautiful, beautiful nurse I ever saw in my life. Like she was a very beautiful Indian woman. Um, when I woke up, they had been waiting for me to wake up. My family had been at the hospital for these, these days waiting for me to get up, um, mm. fussing and cussing at the hospital doctors and stuff. And this beautiful lady is looking at me when I open my eyes and I'm trying to get up because now I'm in a panic. Now I'm panicking because I know something traumatic happened to me. I remember the last place I was and I remember who I last was with. That was my baby. So I'm um, asking, where's my daughter? I'm trying to get up. I'm trying to get out of, you know, I'm trying to get out of the wires because I actually had the wires, everything set up on me. And this nurse, she looked and she said, you can't get up, baby. She said, you okay? And I'm like, yeah. Her face was coming. So I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, where am I? You know? And she explained to me what happened to me. So that's kind that's of definitely, uh, that's definitely a scary uh health scare. Like that was yes. that's, that's definitely one. Um, and I, I think you hit a lot of good nuggets in regards to that journey you took us through, um, in regards to not listening to your body, the impact of stress. Um, I don't know, that that was a lot. That was a lot to unpack. And I'm just grateful that you're still here. I hate that it took so long for the people that came and you said call 911 to then go get more people to still keep talking. Because I think at that point, like time is of the essence, like anything could happen. But I'm just grateful you were able to crawl to but, the door. But that's the community. issue when it comes to our community. We don't teach our community those signs. So even if I am asking for help, right, in our community, we're nosy. We want to know what's going on, what's happening, why you need help, why you need the police. Is it something that I can do to help you, right? But if we teach our community the same signs, the signs of fast, you know, the signs of, of safe, you know, if we teach them these, these different acronyms and what they mean, we will actually look for them. And that's, that's a big, big problem. That's a big problem in the community. I wholeheartedly agree. I do. Um, and then sometimes we'd be like, nah, you just take me to the hospital. I don't, I don't even want that that ambulance bill, not knowing what could Correct. actually happen in, in, in transfer from where you Correct. are to the hospital that nobody in the car could really help you with. Um, and then we start thinking money and bills in the system. Um, so you're definitely correct. Education for one, number two in the community. I mean, number one. And then number two is just not thinking about money at the time. And then just just trying to save your life, keeping you number one and just telling people what you need, what's going on, what's happening and not letting up, not letting up. But exactly. Let's get into this endometriosis. So how, how yes. did this even come about for you? um with this endometriosis journey where did it start where did the first sign since you knew the signs of when you were possibly heading into um a stroke or having an aneurysm what did it look like moving into this endometriosis so again as i was stating I, i'm a mother of five children so with those five children i had five c-sections so that's what actually started forming uh my endometriosis so i developed it over time so after I had my fifth baby, it was maybe a year after having her, 
I started uh, feeling a tight feeling in the bottom area of my stomach and pain down there. Okay. The pain that I would feel, it would be like a sharp pain, like someone was poking me or stabbing me. I thought the doctor left a knife in there or something, right? And my period had got bad for me. Like I was soaking out um, period pads in like 30 minutes, like completely soaking them out and flooding out my clothes. Mm. So I was like, okay, this is not of norm. Also, I was having faint feelings too. Like during my, my period, like um, I would feel like I was going to faint when it was coming on. So I know I would feel nauseous. I just would feel just extremely sick during my cycle, along with the cramps. Oh, Lord, the cramps. <laughs> they are a pain, pain, pain. I noticed that I would start cramping like three days before my period. And, and it's like a, a hard cramp. It's, it hurts really bad. Like I'm balling up in the, in the fetus, in the bed, crying, rocking backwards and forward, holding my pillow, similar to some of the things I did when I went into labor, right? So I called my period cramps and this is how I guess I made light of the situation to survive. I called my period cramps, my labor pains coming back to me with a vengeance, right? Mm. Because I really never felt labor pain before. They sedated me, they cut me, they took my baby, and I woke up, and I had a cut, right? And I had the pain of the C-section, right? But I never felt that actual labor pain, so that's why I call my cramps labor pains. That I'm Braxton hitting all day. I've never um, had kids before, never had kids before, but once I hit that, that pain for myself, um, most of the time that pain would come when I'm just trying to pass a bowel movement when my period was on. And I, I had no idea it was even related to endometriosis. I would be holding on to the walls. I would be trying to do the lamaze, is that what they call it? Breathing. Yes. Um, just to try to like relax my muscles, relax my mind. Trying mm -hmm. to figure out, I don't know where this pain is coming from. I'm just trying to poop. Like I'm just like bracing myself trying to do it. And I'm like, but like I said, like I felt like I was in labor pain but i've never felt yes. it so for you to be able to say that even though you've never really felt it because you were having c-sections and then like you said balled up balled up tight breathing feeling mm -hmm. so sick, you don't know what's wrong with you that it happened to me only yeah. twice and it sounds like it's something that constantly happened to you that's my monthly cramps right. i prep for that so during that time i prep for that i'm 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 expecting it. Um, it's like a, a, a best friend. She coming to give me some pain. So that's monthly for me. That's monthly. That you're Not being able that to speak. That because that's real. Your endometriosis pain is real. Um, this It seems like it's an invisible thing. Um, and it's not. And so even thinking about the pain that you were having when it came to like your headaches, Taking that same pain to an OBGYN and saying that I can Im only imagine what they were telling you about that pain. Have you ever experienced that? Taking this this pain that you're saying you're getting during your period. Have you ever taken that to a doctor, an ER doctor, an a OBGYN? And did they just say, oh, yeah, you might have endometriosis? Did they listen to your pain or what, what did that? Have you ever had that experience? So the going to my OBGYN was the worst. Because it was just like you just said, my headache pains, the fear of the unknown. So now I'm making up these pains, okay? Um, and, and to be honest with you, um, you can feel my endometriosis. You can feel it. 
it's there. It's, it's, it's very visible that there's something there that's not supposed to be there because near the bottom part of my stomach, it's extremely hard. It's hard. Like even when the doctor do their pelvic exams and their checks on me, when I get my pap smears, my normal checkups, when they push down there to try to feel for things, it's hard. They tell me it's hard, but it's not normal. So that's never a indication that ding, 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 something is right there. Right. But my doctors always dismiss my pain. It wasn't until I actually went to the emergency room that uh, emergency room doctor told me about endometriosis. And this was back in 2013. Because my daughter's 2012, year later, maybe 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. That's when this doctor introduced the endometriosis to me because I never knew nothing about it. It was never nothing brought up to me. I did know about scar tissue buildup, which is what caused my endometriosis from having five C-sections being cut in the same place five different times. And also, you have to think about it. Everybody can tell I'm young. So... My kids came in a back-to-back -back span, right? They, it wasn't no um, breaks in between it. So no actual healing actually took place. And this is something that the doctors should have either put something in place or educated me more, you know, so that I would know because I was young. I had my first child when I was 15. So I was young. I, I didn't know just having kids okay but the scar tissue buildup has caused organs to start forming and colliding together um the fact that they are colliding together um which is a baby is held in your uterus okay they have cut my it, it technically the doctors gave me endometriosis they gave it to me because they're cutting my uterus and the scar tissue and has formed together with it which has caused the issue with my uterus lining which is why it's shedding because you guys have that they let it just grow together rather than giving me the proper out the curve that i needed with the c-section to keep me from having this condition so i blame i do blame partially myself you know being young and uneducated but i also blame my health professionals who claim to to know it all when i walk into that into that room right um which has made me become my own health professional because i know my own body i know my body better than my doctor i know it way better than him you know medical terminology i know how i feel right so right. i can go in there and tell you all day this is where my pain is and this is what hurt on me you're going to just go off of what medical terminology tells you and you're going to look at that broad area of what what mass majority people go through right but you're not going to look into that small little bunch that one percent right and pull out that box and start testing those items so that i go in and i tell my doctor what to do because my doctor works for me i pay him right that's okay. it i go in with the mind frame when i go to the doctor that i am your boss you're my employee what i ask you to do needs to be done or i can file a grievance i, like that. <laughs> I mean i like that you're empowering you're advocating that uh for yourself but that also took you years of pain and trying to figure out what's going on to get yes. to that to make sure yes. that doctor does know that they're working for you i think 
I love the fact that it was your female um, ER doctor that even just dropped to see that this is probably what's causing your pain because it was the ER for me too. Um, I didn't know what was going on the first time. I thought maybe I was just, you know, like food poisoning. But then when I called other people yep. who ate the same thing, they weren't sick. Nothing was wrong with them. And I'm just like, OK, well, well what's wrong with me? Um, and then the second time it happened, I almost like swerved in a lane with an 18 wheeler because that pain just came out of nowhere. And it is debilitating. Um, and I was just like, OK, something is really, really wrong. Like, I don't need to play around with this. And I was told by two people, my nurse practitioner and um, my aunt to go ahead and go to the hospital and see what's really wrong and going to that ER and having, you know, the CT scans, like getting the actual imaging, they saw that large cyst sitting on my right ovary, which gave a sign that something is definitely going on on the inside that led me to my OBGYN. And I think it's because I had that information, I had that imaging, I had those facts going into that doctor's office. You can now not just tell me it's something that I'm making up or I just don't know what's, you know, possibly wrong with you. Um, I think it's it's beautiful and maybe we need to educate more ER doctors because I feel like a lot of people who experience that horrible period pain are having to go to the ER doctor to tell them what's happening to them. And most of the time, those ER doctors aren't the people that see you regularly, that have that relationship with you, that can sit up yep. here and really say, okay, well, this has happened so, so many times, or I know other things have been occurring in your body because they don't know you. It's just that in and out. It's that convenience. It's kind of like that quickie type of action yeah. that you see when it comes to like your medical professional. So just, I, I love the idea and the thought that the ERs might be a place that we start with really flooding that, that, that space with education when it comes to endometriosis, um, because that pain is real. And there's too many of us that look like us that are going to talk about this pain and these issues that we know we're having and we're, we're getting dismissed. Um, and I, I don't like that, but I love that you hit on that in regards to your journey because I too was in the ER when it came about. And I've heard other stories um, about the ER being a place where that's where it all started. Just hearing that word that kind of ignites you going through that path um, of endometriosis. And I, I hate that the medical standard isn't to be mindful of where these incisions are when you're having babies because i think you talked about that before talking about how it is your the type of skin you have like the, the keloid skin is the keloid skin but um also um at the time that i had this cut it was before they became big on the bikini cut so bikini cut is the ideal way to get your c-section because it doesn't really affect your organs like up and down cut does right because that's them just going it's like you're going in and just being gutted that's what an up and down cut is it's like just going in and being gutted okay the problem with some doctors are um you have older doctors right and you have the younger doctors the the older generation and you have the younger generation but you have some doctors that don't go in with the passion for wanting to be a doctor and mm -hmm. I think that's the type of doctor that I was subjected to because I was on Medicaid. I was 15 when I had my first baby. I was on Medicaid. I didn't get a top tier doctor. I didn't go to Presbyterian. I went to the county hospital. Probably an intern probably cut me. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have to put all these things into factors. And that all comes with the education of bearing a child, you know. 
education starts at that first act, right? When you first start to want to protect yourself and actually get into the act of having a child, right? So right. it continues throughout that whole process. It, it don't stop. So but, what did this doctor even tell you to do? Like once you started having these issues and you started talking to your OBGYN and you're saying something is wrong, I'm bleeding out of my pads after 30 minutes, I'm doubling up. What what was what was the options that your doctor was giving you to help you with manage the symptoms? Birth control became just the number one option and uh, a hysterectomy came up in the conversation. But birth control which was the depot shot is what my doctor told me i needed to take and i started taking the depot shot but and this when i thought what, what uh, was the why did they say the depot why birth control is that because they the said bleeding? the depot was like th that was the medicine that was my medicine it was the pain management and and it stopped your period it, okay. it, it, it do never back you up <laughs> so um that's what was going on i was getting backed up i was bloating up um I've, I'm, I've always been roughly in between 150 to 170 pounds. I've maintained that weight after having five children. For the first time in my life, um, I had got up almost to 230 pounds. I was a big girl and I had never been that big. Okay, <laughs> I knew I had a problem. Uh, my breathing started bothering me because I was too big. Um, I'm 5'2" the weight was becoming a lot because that depot shot was putting a lot of weight on me. So I wasn't doing nothing but trying to fix one condition and starting a whole nother one. Because at this time that my weight is now bothering me, I'm now getting high blood pressure. Now my blood pressure is up all the time, you know? So I'm building up another conditions on conditions on conditions, trying to fix this one problem. So we, again, did he did bring up the pain though. Did the depot help with the pain? Did it take the pain away or? Yeah, it took my period completely away. And so but you again, I issues, but then all of a sudden you were gaining weight. You started having high blood pressure. You barely could breathe. So no more pain, but you have multiple other issues that are starting to come about. So correct, correct. Pain, it just took the pain away and started adding other things to your body. Correct, correct. And basically, um, would bash me about it when I go to the doctor. Well, Miss Missy, Missy, your BMI is above the weight class, so we're gonna look into you probably doing something when it comes to a diet. Looking at the doctor like, sir, excuse me, it's the shot. It's a side effect of it that you could have told me. So I had to learn how to take the depot on my own. I had to learn how to diagnose myself. That's why I said I became my own best doctor, right? Because I had to take the depot shot. It lasts for three months, right? You skip that next shot and you let your, your cycle come because you need to, your cycle is a cleansing mechanism for your body. You cannot not have your cycle. And I don't know where doctors get that that is cool. It is not. It is unhealthy. Try holding a bunch of hazardous waste in your body. At, you know what I'm saying? That you need to just release. You're setting yourself up for bacteria. So I think when you talked about birth control, they definitely gave me that option as well. It wasn't a depot, but they asked me if I was interested or uh, my number one option they gave me was birth control to help hormone regulation, um, to help with the pain. 
And I said, well, will it treat anything? And they were like, no, it'll just, you know, hopefully make your pain go away. Um, and I was just like, well, if it's not treating anything, why would I take something that's not actually treating anything? And then we're suspecting it's possibly endometriosis. Let's really figure out what's really happening. Like, let's really let me get some real concrete answers. Yes, I understand you see this large um, cyst on my ovary. Yes, you're seeing symptoms of or signs of PCOS, facial hair, irregular periods. So we know that's an issue, but let's really go through this thing and figure out if it's endometriosis. And you never know it's endometriosis unless you actually have the surgery. So they go in and they can see. And like you said, like your organs binding, you know, my fallopian tubes were stuck together. I had um, an ovary that needed to be like it was it was just crazy. Had to take out my appendix. It was covered everywhere. It was stage four. So when it's stage four endometriosis, the scar tissue and everything is plastered over all these different organs on my bowels. It, it was just everywhere. And so they go in and try to really clean up um, an excision um, specialist or surgeon really goes in and tries to clean up all the scar tissue and try to get your, you know, get all of that off of your organs to better help improve your quality of life because there's no cure for endometriosis. So how um, did that make you feel when they did that? I went that route because I didn't want you to suspect I had something if I didn't really have it. So I don't want you to plant a seed and you tell me it's something and it's not there. Going in and them cleaning out, I felt a lot better because he didn't think that the endometriosis was as bad as it was for me. He thought he could go in there for an hour and be done. And it took me four hours um, by the time I got out of there to do all of everything that he did. I had pictures and I was really like, oh my goodness, like all of this was going on in my body and I had no idea. Unlike you, and I've heard it so many times in the endometriosis community. It can be stage one, stage two endo, and people can have chronic pain every single month, all day, every day. And I had it for two, two major debilitating, painful times outside of my, my bowel movement pain, because um, there is endo, endo bowel. Um, but it's to be crunched over like you talk about and you brace yourself for it three days beforehand in that ball. That only happened to me two times out of my entire time with having this period and being aware that something was wrong. So for me, I just wanted answers. And once I figured out that's what it was and I woke up and he talked about this and I started figuring out well, what is really endo, what is what is really going on. And first, let me take it back, Missy. I had to trust. I had to verify that he was someone I could trust with my body. So I'm, I'm going to say that first because he did yes. not look like, but I had a sorority sister that was an OBGYN in the same area. And I had to ask her if she knew about him. And she said, he's good at what he does. He takes his time. He's very like, it was her giving me that reassurance and that confidence to trust him with my body that allowed me to go through the surgery without overthinking what I was really putting myself through. And I think if right. I did not have that supportive healthcare team that I had with my primary care looking like me, being my sorority sister, my nurse practitioner working underneath my primary care physician, who was my sorority sister, who heard me. When I had people that love me, know me, taking care of me, it makes my journey so much different than other people's journey. And that was one of the reasons why I was like, you know what? Now that I know what all is happening, I want to have a space, this podcast, to really talk about the different journeys that people are going through. Because unlike you, I had somebody that knew me and I didn't have to come in there and say, you work for me. You do this. You do that. You gave me this. You know, I didn't have that type of experience and I'm blessed and I'm grateful for it. But I also know everybody doesn't get that experience. And I want that to be known so we can make a shift. We can start making a change. Or when people experience what you're experiencing, what other people are going through, what I have experienced, they know 
I don't have to take your answer. I can still continue to do what I need to do to fight for what I know is wrong. If you can feel, I can feel that there's hardness and pain right here, then that means something is wrong. And if you want to just say, oh, put me on a depot or, oh, I think you told me one time that they were like, oh, you just need to move. You just need to do some movement. And that's oh, yeah, she told me I needed to exercise and I needed to walk. And that's just going to do it. But, and that's but not they don't understand that when you have a child, your stomach muscles they break they they move like this baby is going it's developing in your body and it's displacing things <laughs> you are adding a whole nother human in your body that's displacing things but i'm going to be a hundred percent honest most of us that's really going through this issue were people who were on property we were not getting proper care from physicians that really knew what they were doing I'm, most of the women that I've ran into that have had endometriosis can't even get diagnosed. They can't actually get their diagnosis. I've seen it so many different places. And it's like you're telling them and you're bringing all of this information. They're still like, nah, nah, this ain't it. Or I think it's this or nah, you just and it's and that's sad. That is really you can't sad. Even get it, yeah. Those endometriosis organizations that advocate for this every single day and they're pushing forward. And I'm so grateful that you and I are able to be visible and vocal about it and that we're constantly telling other people, like, you got to be your own advocate. Like, that, it's the Empowered Plates, Empowered Lives podcast. We're empowering you to really take your healing into your hands. This is your journey. You don't let no one take that away from you. You don't let anyone take away your power to do what's right for you, your body, your health, your life. And I feel like sometimes we allow the system to feel like it's more powerful than we are and that it has this certain sense of authority over us. And that's not true. And that's another reason why I'm so grateful that we're starting to get back to our roots and we're starting to find natural ways of healing. And we're starting to listen to our bodies a little bit more because all of our answers do not lie in the hands of our doctors or in our healthcare system. They help give you the information about what's going on with your body, but what you do with that information, that's on you. That's, that's on, on you. I, I know my body more. I'm my own doctor. You're your own healer. At the end of the yep. day, you are your own healer. The choices you decide to make, that is what's going to drive your healing journey. That's what's going to allow you to experience what you experience. So I'm grateful that you're sharing this. I'm glad that we had two different you know, aspects of the story. Um, in our journeys of how we navigated through our diagnosis. But you were talking about the depot. You took the depot off because you said it was causing you blood pressure. It was causing you to be backed up. It was causing you not to be able to breathe. What happened after you just said, you know what? This depot was causing me more harm. I'm done with the depot. What was next for you? So I um, still self-manage because, of course, I can't get a doctor to do what I need them to do um, because I'm, I, I don't, I mean, I'm still of a typical human trying to make it right what um so like, I'm feel what do you feel like is ultimately your next step for you that would help make living with endometriosis um better for you right now i don't want them to touch me i'm going to be honest i don't want them to touch me i'm i'm living i have survived all these years i'm okay you know i did want them to go in and like you said do the cleanup of the scar tissue but um back to the keloid skin that we were talking about if you have keloid skin if your skin is keloid on the outside i want you to remember that is keloid on the inside okay so um putting myself at risk of getting surgery i'm doing nothing but opening doors for more scar tissue 
that's what surgery is. Surgery is scar tissue. It's going to cause scar tissue. So why would I go and have them cut me again to clean up the scar tissue for me to build some more? I'm just over it. I manage life how I manage life. Uh, teas, herbal teas um, gives me a lot of comfort when, especially during my cycle, I got to drink some, some warm tea. You have a favorite herbal tea that you like that helps with calming down or that is your preference when you're on your cycle? Because I really got into herbal teas um, recently or not too long, like a few months ago. And it's really like I'm just enjoying how relaxing it is and just embracing the flavors that I get from the different herbs and the hibiscus and the mango and, the, you know, it, it's raspberry. I, I can't think of the actual name of it, but I know it's like a yoga setting like and it's like orange. A yoni type tea. Yes. And they have it in different types. So they have like one for stress, one for um, stomach relief. They have it for um, just relaxing. It's even one that puts you to sleep. So, so herbal teas got, have been helping. That's one. Um, What's another thing that's been helping with managing it yourself? Self-care. Okay. What does that look like? I love it. Self-care number that, two. That's, that's taking time out for me. If I want to go get a massage that month, I'm going to go get me a massage that month. I don't care what is due, what is needed. I find at least one time out of the month that is a day. That's Larnisha day. I, I gave Larnisha a day once a month. 12 months out of the year, once a month, one day out of that month is a Larnisha day. That means I take whatever money that I have and I go do whatever I want to do. I don't care what's due. I, I'll figure that out the next day. On this particular day, that's not due. And, and I do that. And some people can say, well, you know, you got to think about your bills and you have to think about your, if I'm dead, I ain't going to have none. <laughs> that is my biggest thing. I'm going to throw that at anybody who keeps saying it's selfish. It's not. It's, it's, it's you understanding that you are human and that you need to take care of yourself. I remove people. I remove people to manage my, my endometriosis because we have to understand that it deals with our emotions. It deals with our feelings. It deals with what we're eating. It deals with even exercise play a factor. All of these factors play a factor that'll make us have a flare up when it comes to our endometriosis, right? Wholeheartedly so, agree. Like you said, what you eating, how you moving, what your thoughts yes. and feelings are, toxic people, toxic environments, all of that will cause a flare up. All of that will cause um, a stressor that could possibly lead into depression because you're unable to really hold on to that. Like endometriosis is a whole body experience. Like it doesn't yes. just happen in your uterus. Like it's, it's not just there. It's a whole body experience. So you said herbal teas, self-care one day a month, this Larnisha day, you said walking was effective for you. And there was a big thing that you told me about that probably made you do all of these things. And you were saying what has helped you survive was your mindset. And you said, I have oh, to yeah. keep a positive mindset. What what I made did. you realize that mindset was the first all to making sure that on this healing journey, you're keeping you as a priority and that you're going to do whatever you need to do to make sure that you are well. Yes. All those things were, was part of my, it's part of the mindset. The mindset is of a whole um, because at first I wasn't, I wasn't self-caring, right? At first I, I wasn't drinking herbal tea, right? 
at first I wasn't going in letting these doctors know that they work for me, right? So all of that was the full, the mindset is, is the full thing that I did. You know, those are just some of the, the things within my mindset. But what made me change my mindset was me wanting back control of my life. Endometriosis took control of my life because I took a large part of my life trying to figure out really what was wrong with me. I took a large part of my life laid up in a fetus crying because over half of the month I'm in pain or I'm bleeding. So I wanted back control. Like I want to be able to, when I'm on my cycle, I don't want to be embarrassed about stepping out. I don't want to be embarrassed about stepping out. I don't want to be embarrassed if I flood my clothes. I'm one of them women that I can flood my clothes and I'll probably still get out of my car and walk in the store. I don't care. I don't care. Because I'm going in there to get what I need to be okay. I'm having a situation that's that's out of my control. That's out of my control. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know? I and, don't uh, say I'm sorry, Missy. You don't have to be sorry. Endometriosis wasn't sorry to us when it crept up in our body. So we do not true. have to be sorry. We're not sorry. We're, we're not and, sorry. And, and I know when people when, when people actually hear what, what I'm saying to them, they're going to be like, man, that's nasty. That's crazy. Go and change. You have to understand that my life has been a demanding lifestyle that I'm on the road most of the time out either doing a notary, process serving, you know, I'm, or doing something within my community. I'm not always close to home where I could just run to the house and go and just change my clothes. Especially if your your period is so heavy that it's every thirty minutes. No Thank one's you. at the bathroom every thirty minutes. So let's put that Thank in there. It's you. not like you just got a pad on and you expecting to go the whole day without it. Like if you right. even if you miss that part, this is somebody that's having heavy bleeding every thirty minutes. Every Jesus. thirty minutes, I'm bloody. Yes, my kids and I do what I need to do for me, and I keep doing what I need to do for my community. I don't have every thirty minutes to be sitting in somebody bathroom. to be sitting in somebody bathroom trying to figure so, it out. If they think you nasty, then that's on them to think you nasty. That's none of your business. <laughs> that's not right, your no, business. True, true. So but I just wanted, I wanted, I wanted to clarify. That's not our vibes. That is not our vibes. That is. Not but I want to clarify that for my sisters. I, I highlighted that part because, again, a lot of women are embarrassed when that happened to them. And I want to be the one to let you know, don't be embarrassed about being a woman. If you mess up your clothes and have to walk into the store, go. So what? You are a woman. You are a woman. It's plenty of times that I've been in a car by myself, been Waylon Keller, Texas somewhere. I stay Waylon on the other side of that and had to walk into the store. So I think it was a man who also helped with that too. It was a man who helped me because a man had told me, he said, any person that's male or female that look at you as ill because you have a period, don't respect their mother. And I love that you said that because that's about to go into our next question. And I'm so glad you made that aware. Um, and I love that he even said that because I feel like so many times people don't like to talk, period. And so many times people as if it's not a conversation they should have, but it's health, period, is mm -hmm. health. 
if you're easy to talk about heart disease, it's easy to talk about obesity, it's easy to talk about diabetes, then it should be easy to talk about your period. And it should be easy to talk about your period to anybody because it's natural and it's health. And it's how that whole menstrual cycle is how you even got here in the first place. That's a very Correct. important role on how people are even created. So when you sit Correct. there and you silence that conversation or you act like it's not something, a comfortable topic to discuss, that's a problem. And that's not normal, which is why when we try to tell you other things that aren't normal, you want them to make them normal just because you're uncomfortable about it. But that goes into this. End it for girl dads who, you know, no longer have their mothers in their life and they're raising girls and they're having periods, of course, because it's natural and it's a part of their health. What is your advice for dads navigating healthy periods for their daughters? My first and foremost thing is get educated. Get educated. You have a mom, you have sisters, maybe you have aunts, any females that in your family, get educated. Don't push that off at to uh, off on your daughter as oh, that's a female thing. Okay, because it's not. It's not just a female thing, okay? It becomes a household thing if things get bad, right? You know, because everybody around the house starts feeling it, right? When a woman is on her cycle, our moods change, our attitudes change. Fathers need to know that your daughter probably not being grown or being sassy it's probably a hormonal imbalance that's going on when her cycle come around that makes her lash out. So... If a father is educated on that, he won't be so taken back because for a little while as a young girl, I lived with my father. Living with your father. I think we also have to talk about not only is your the hormones and them lashing out in their mood, there might be mood swings, but also about their pain because period pain isn't normal. Horrible, debilitating pain when your period is on, you shouldn't pass that off as that's normal. That's okay. Oh, well, your period's just on, so you're going to be hurting. No, period pain is not normal. So talk to them to see how bad is your pain. Are you even experiencing pain? So I think that's right. a, a big thing for, especially if it's an early thing of, you know, this could be a real issue and it's just not your natural cleansing cycle. Pain is not normal for a period. And that's what we're told. Oh, well, your period's right. just on. You okay? That's pain. That's natural. Go go ahead and go to school, or go ahead and go to work, or do this. Nah, that's not that's not natural. Like that's not normal. You need to have those conversations um, about what's going on. But you're saying you were um, you live with your dad. Yeah. Yes, I was living with my dad. I'm not sure how that call keep getting through my phone. I don't know if it's an emergency. I don't know. But right. um, we're gonna end it. We got one more question, okay. and I'm gonna let you get back to it. Okay. But um, I was living with my dad, and uh, my dad used to dismiss me when it mm. came to my period. And again, I didn't have a uh, bad pain because you are 100 percent correct. Your period is not mean cramps you're not you're not supposed to really have pain during your period you're not supposed to have cramps if you really are cramping it is something that you are eating drinking it's something that's going on within you that you might want to self-evaluate that is your first warning sign that you are not properly taking care of you if you are having cramps Yes, yes. So period, your period is not supposed to be pain at all. You're not supposed to feel nothing but the cleansing, okay? You're supposed to actually feel good after your period. Actually, you're supposed to feel rejuvenated because your body is, it's, like I said in the very beginning, it's waste that your body is releasing. So you're not supposed to clot. You're not supposed to have blood clots. 
You're not supposed to have a uh, pain. If you're clotting, you're backing up somewhere. That's clots is old backed up blood. It's not just you automatically get a clot and it just it comes through. It's you backing up. So it's not it's not supposed to be. It's it's something that you're doing. That is your first warning. That's the first step right there. Soon as you feel that first cramp, even as a kid, soon as you feel that first cramp, put the talkies down. You know, put the candy down and start probably turning to some fruits and vegetables and some more water, you know, said, because that's in the milk down too. I'm all for yeah. it. You take that down. Yeah. And, I, and I've seen it, like, even with my own periods, like taking out, I don't, I, I'm now with no meat, but taking out that cheese or like that dairy, gluten, and soy, adding in the vegetables. That to me, I've seen a whole totally different period menstrual cycle for me. Sometimes I don't even know when my period is even coming on. I gotta go check and see. Like, oh, it's coming on. Before the knocks would be knocking on the uterus, that pain would be sharp. I'd already be feeling like I need the heating pad before it even starts to come on. So, like diet, I don't like the word diet, but what you're eating, what you're drinking, yes. stressors that you have going on in your life definitely will play a part when it comes to your period. All right. Last question. If you could have a meal with any anybody or historical figure, who would it be and what would y'all eat? Any have a meal with any historical figure, who would that historical figure be and what would you all eat? I would say Maya Angelou. Oh, OK. OK. You, what you um, eating with Maya Angelou? Me and Maya Angelou, we would eat. I would like a nice cob salad with some uh, chopped chicken on the side. With some gravy. Which, I'll ask her to gravy? take Which uh, with the, gravy? the chicken. You, you, oh, okay. So you having a cob salad, you getting chicken and gravy. Okay. Chicken, chicken and gravy on the side with a nice biscuit and probably some greens, you know, some greens or something like that, macaroni cheese, something like that. And then a nice stiff cup of brown alcohol, okay, with um uh, a bottle of water <laughs> and, and a cup of lemonade. <laughs> okay, why my Angelo? Why my Angelo? And then I'm gonna let y'all get to this interesting meal. Why my? <laughs> I believe that she's very knowledgeable. I feel like she's one of the the women in society that never forgot that she was young, right? Mm. She never forgot the struggles she never forgot the things that she'd been through so she left a message and i feel like our older societal women these days you know the women that we work around you know younger women are coming into the industry uh trying to pick up that knowledge that you have and you're too busy trying to be in a competition with them rather than teach them and that is causing a very bad friction in our society, which is causing us to be left behind. But she didn't want to see us left behind. She wanted to be like Harriet and get us across that Underground Railroad, right? And a lot of women are not doing it for our younger women these days. And I, I wish I saw it more. So that's why I would choose her. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you for coming on to the Empire Plates Empire Lives podcast. Thank you for sharing your journey. Um, thank you for being visible. Thank you for being vocal. Y'all, I hope you enjoyed this Journey of Strength episode with Miss C with Spotless Service uh, with her endometriosis journey. But make sure y'all are 
connected with the Empowered Place and Empowered Lives podcast. All links are in the description. If you're looking for a comprehensive healing guide, if you have endometriosis, PCOS, you already heard us talking about it. Healthy mindset, um, food, and movement are key on our healing journeys to helping us with managing symptoms and living a vibrant life. Go ahead and get that guide in the description of the video. And if you're looking at alternatives, things to try to consider eating um, on your way on your healing journey to make you feel a little bit better, to make you feel vibrant, you can get that alternative plant-based guide down below as well. So you can start making those shifts. So your food is good for you as well as tastes good. But y'all, Thanks for vibing with us today. We love you. Be easy, be well, but most importantly, be empowered to be on your healing journey, doing whatever it takes to make sure you're good. We out. We out.